Greetings and salty stations. I'm Chris. I'm Barry. And this is the GameStormers Podcast. So in this episode, we started with a chat about the games Barry's playing, which led to a pretty deep conversation about the mechanics of games. We talk about game feel, we talk about having an effect on the game world and how that draws you in. And we talk about immersive stories and how much we are drawn to those sorts of games. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. To it. To it. To it. <laughs> so what are you playing at the moment, Baz? I have been playing a little bit of everything. I've got a few things that I've been sort of tossing between. Um, I've been playing Mech Warrior Online, which is a fun strategy somewhat. No, it's, it's a first-person shooter, if you will, but you're inside of a giant mech. And it's very tactical. Um, well, how, how is it tactical? Like, what's different from, like, a standard first-person shooter? So, you're pretty much in a giant walking tank. Uh, and you have four different types of uh, classification. Okay. So, you've got, like, a light mech, a medium mech, a heavy mech, and a, an assault mech. Right. So, the bigger it is, the heavier it is, the slower it is, but the more weapons you can have on it. Is it um, is it a continuation of the original Mech Warrior series? Yeah, yeah. So it's a continuation of the Mech Warrior um, lineage. So how long of a gap was there between Mech Warrior Online and because I remember playing like Mech Warrior Two or whatever it oh, was. Oh, really? From like bloody nineteen ninety eight or something. Like when my computer like had like eight megs of video RAM. Hell yeah! You get all <laughs> see every single five polygons on the screen. So that's is that like your main game at the moment somewhat like it, that's just sort of like if i want to jump into a game and blast some crap out with some other people um, my single player experience at the moment i've been i downloaded the final fantasy 15 demo recently oh it's not the online one no that's that's final fantasy 14 I've come on man really i've really dipped out of the final <laughs> fantasy uh i'm not really into it to be honest yeah like um i was never really into it too much either until i think my first one was final fantasy 9 and no final fantasy 8 mm. and i sort of fell in love with the Pokemon-ish style battles. Like, so I'd never really played a turn-based game Well, before. I like the turn-based, like um, Chrono Trigger, for example, mm. was a game that I loved because it was turn-based battles. Like, that that was really cool. But the storyline was interesting and the characters were interesting. Yeah. And I felt with Final Fantasy that... It, I don't know. Like, it was weird characters and then they just lent into it and lent into it and lent into it. And then if you haven't played a few of them and you try and jump in, you're like... Why am I playing as a group of pop stars? Like, what is what the hell is What's going happened? on? Yeah. This is very confusing to me. So I think I feel like it kind of passed me, and yeah. I've missed it. And I'm not really into that anime JRPG sort of stuff, anyways. Mm. So I, I just think it's just not for me. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to you. Yeah, yeah that's um, cool. but you know, like there's there's many game genres that I, I love. That there's so many games out now, so many AAA games out now as well. That like you always have choice. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so Mech Warrior, Final Fantasy. What yeah. else are you playing? How many games are you bloody playing at once? Uh, I've got on my desktop, I've really got about 30 different shortcuts to games because I recently got like a four terabyte hard drive. That's dangerous. Is, yes, it's <laughs> as Christopher knows, I fill up my hard drives with everything I can find and then start deleting once I've got like two terabytes left. I mean, like two gigs left. Well, sometimes two megs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, mm. <laughs> um, okay. So just those two games are the main ones and then like 30 other potentials that are meant to be played but haven't been played. <laughs> Pretty much. Like I've been dipping into like Assassin's Creed, the first one, because one of my caveats is that I, I like to play games from the start of the series and play all the way through, even though it's a large undertaking. And even though some games may not have much to do with each other, I still like to know how the series evolved. Like, even just the game... Like, for example, I'm still playing through Fallout 3 
and I'm not going to play New Vegas until I finish Fallout 3 because I don't want to get into the new systems in a much better game and one day think, I want to play like Fallout 3 and then be like, oh, I can't because it's so much worse. It's an interesting one because Fallout 3 and New Vegas run on the same engine. Mm. So like, there's incremental changes, but the game is essentially uh, built out of the Fallout 3 engine. So both of those games are interchangeable and the stories uh, don't really interconnect. Mm. But um, I've been told that Fallout New Vegas has a much better story. It's a much better actually, game in actually general. Really good. If you've ever played Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, um, yeah. which I, I played Fallout 1 a little bit, um, I finally I have a the Fallout Nuke. Um, collector's edition uh, yes yeah. and it has all of the all of the games in it and uh i finally activated it so i played fallout <laughs> one and that's a difficult game yeah like, they're so much more difficult um but fallout new vegas is actually a more faithful carry-on from fallout one and two than fallout three is okay um because it's set in more of that deserty more of that sort of thing and that's where new vegas is set um which is really interesting so it's actually kind of that's why the story is more interesting and it seems like there's more divergent choices okay um in in fallout 3 new vegas but you got to play fallout 4 yeah you get so many games to play before you get to where you like you need to be but (laughs) it's really interesting i mean like i'm i'm proud of you that you have like held that ideal and like stuck to it (laughs) because not many people could like i i ended up skipping the rest of like I, i played halfway through mass effect 1 and then I left it for a really long time and I played Mass Effect 2. And Mass Effect 2's uh, control mechanisms and everything completely changed. And I, tr- I actually tried to like pull the barrier and go back and finish Mass Effect 1 because the story was so like fantastic. Yeah. And I couldn't play it because the controls were so backwards compared to Mass Effect 2. I was like, you know what? I get the gist. <laughs> I'm just going to have to go to the second one now. You might not know this, but that's actually one of the reasons why I don't play any earlier, any later games before the earlier ones. You told me that you couldn't play Mass Effect 1, and I played through it before I played Mass Effect 2, and I know how good of a game it was and how 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 much it would suck if I never played it to the end and had that experience. So mm. I'm like, I don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Mind you, Mass Effect 1 one of my most favorite games. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Like, Saren being the bad guy, right? Like, did you, you haven't played it. I don't know if I got end. to that part. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have, to, I have to go it. back and play it, but I can't. I, like, oh. I can't. It's ruined for me now. All right. Let me just say that Saren is a great character. Right. I, see, the thing is, um, going back to Fallout 3 after playing Fallout 4, um, I think I could do that because they both play quite differently. Um, and I actually prefer Fallout 3, j- just like when you go from Deus Ex 1, which yeah. is like super technical, super in-depth, super granular, um, quite difficult. Like there's like a lot more reliance on stealth. And I don't know, like that game was just a good game. Yeah. And then as you add more and more, like the graphics get better and the storyline gets better and stuff like that, uh, it becomes to the point where it was less about playing the game. It was more about like how good it looks. And I don't know, like going back to Deus Ex 1, I could play it again. Yeah. But they immediately... Um, went from you know every weapon has different ammo and every bit of ammo takes up space in your inventory like it logically should yeah um so then they went to a system where every weapon has universal ammo and you just have that one ammo type that controls all of your weapons and like it it made sense narratively like they, they worked it into the story but i was like that's a mechanic that you've kind of just taken away like just written it off like i remember when playing day six one for the first time and like you pick up the like in the very first level because i played the first level so many times <laughs> um you pick up the uh, poison darts and stuff and i was like man i don't want to throw this away 
because I might find the weapon for it later. Yeah, and like it seems like a rare, like it seems like a rare thing to have. So I don't want to get rid of it. Like, and that was cool because I had to like I had to consciously have two inventory spots taken up just to hold this stuff that I might use later. On the odd chance, on the odd chance I could find the weapon. Like, and it was cool. Like, you'd be running around in a base, and it was really really dangerous. You'd find a weapons room, and like you had to make a decision between which weapon you were going to take with you, Mm. um, and whether you could like hold the ammo for it and stuff like that. Like that was just like it felt more realistic mm. and games have definitely moved away from that yeah like games have got to the point where um it's very hand-holding do yeah. you find that it's all about accessibility these days you know they want to try and open up the market to as many gamers as they can but they that's not how you make a legacy you know you, you mentioned day six one to someone like oh yeah i remember like you just said you know yeah you have to make tough decisions i remember i think you can get like a gap gun or something like that and it takes up quite a bit of inventory space and you don't get you don't find much ammo and you're like oh is it worth having all that space for this one gun mm. that doesn't have that much ammo around or do i just like go for something that will a bit more reliable like a pistol but like that's the decision you had to make mm. and the, the newer games like oftentimes you can have like the, the the weapons are just so plentiful yeah and they all seem so similar that it doesn't really matter um, which is really disappointing. Like, and I know some games aren't, aren't like that. I'm generalizing, but mm. yeah, it's just interesting. Like, the trend has been for games to be easier and easier and easier and much more mass appeal. Um, which is why I'm loving playing indie games at the moment because yeah. indie games are one. Well, they're both of our favorite types of games, but it's because they can step out, you know, attract a smaller market and go, hey, you know what? This game is really difficult. Like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Like we're just going to stay loyal to what we like in a game. We're just going to go immersive, difficult, and you're probably going to lose 15 times. But <laughs> when you win that one time, you're going to feel ama- like Cuphead, for example. Yeah. Like you're going to feel amazing every time you get through a level because of how difficult it is to get through a level. It's an accomplishment, not like an expectation. And like I, st- I studied um, game design at uni, and um, like that's a part of it. Like it's all the risk reward. And like the payback system for like what you actually put in and what you get out. Like I don't find um, the Call of Duty games and stuff like that as rewarding as I used to because they've just been getting easier and easier with each iteration, whilst changing the storyline to appear more difficult every time. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like you got a grandiose sort of a scene happening, but you still got five enemies that you can pretty much auto aim at and yeah, just it's, destroy. It's, it's like it's still the same thing, but the, everything's more epic. Yeah, and you're like, Ooh, and like I I do get sucked into the, but I'm getting sucked into it because of the visuals yes and because of what's happening around me not so much like the difficult of what i have to do mm. and if i die i just respawn like milliseconds before where i was and i just do it again um like that's unfortunately that's what gamers are now like the gamers just do that yeah. um, with those sorts of mass market games and i'm so glad that everybody it seems like much more people are picking up indie games and trying something else and seeking something else out Mm. Uh, which is really cool they're able to eke out their own little they don't even eke out a niche they just are like yeah like you said before like this is what i like and i know other people like this so this is a game for them Mm. um i did enjoy the resurgence of the hard quote unquote hardcore games like dark souls and stuff like that yeah um people love to be punished by that and it was like it's gotten mass appeal to people who like to sodomize themselves (laughs) um (laughs) pretty much i've never played it oh no i've played dark souls one because i won't skip to two and three because i won't do that to myself I'll yeah play myself like that um and it's super hard like i'm only probably about i don't know an eighth of the way in um it's it's a completely different type of game to anything i've ever played and 
I am a little bit concerned that I'm ingrained with that hand holding. I'm like, where's the like, where's the line taking me to the next objective? Where's the you know, the lack of risk? Why can't I just run into a battle, die, and come straight back? But it's good, it, like it's good when a game surprises you in that way, and you walk in, and you go, oh, I expected fifteen things that I'm now used to. Like, okay, here, let me give you a really, really good example. Okay, if you get a gun in a game, mm. first-person shooter, and you aim at an enemy and you shoot them and a little X or hitbox doesn't appear to indicate that you've hit the enemy. How does that make you feel? You're like, oh no. Yeah. Now I don't know what's happening. Yeah, like, yeah. did I hit him? What happened? Like, <laughs> that wasn't even games before. That was never in games before. That's become so ingrained now that I expect it. Like, I look for it. Yeah. Like, those mechanics are... Um, yeah, it's, it's so strange. Like, and now if, I'm, if I play an older game and I can't sprint... Oh yeah, you're so, always running. You're like, oh, but I can't go faster. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. <laughs> but like now we expect these things. Like I want to be able to sprint. I want to get hitboxes when I hit things. Like I want gimme, 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 mm. and I want these exact things. And the games now, like they kind of have to start with a preconceived world and then build from that. This mm. is what a first-person shooter is now. Now I can build my own game and try and eke out something original from it. Yeah, like change the storyline or change the setting or something yeah. like that. But keep the sort of the semblance of a, what a first-person shooter is known as now. Keep mm. that intact. And I think that's why so many games feel so similar now. Like, you know, all the Call of Duties feel very similar. Like, they have to change the theme. They have to keep, you know, going back and forth from World War up into future you know, in doing Black Ops stuff like that because they just make it, they need to make it feel fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, the Battlefield games had to go a little bit more realistic just to try and feel different. Like, I really enjoyed, one of the games that I enjoyed playing um, was Quantum Break, which was, you know, a new game, but different, which is really, really cool to see. Like, you know, it was all about time dilation and I, like, like, they took something and completely tore it apart and made it into a different game. Like there's still elements that are familiar, so it was easy for me to jump into, and it still holds your hand, and it's like not too difficult a game, but it's a cool game. Yeah, and you it's like just the nice concept, you like the story, and you like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, even though it does play into like what a third person third person shooter would you say? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? It's third I can't remember. <laughs> I, I played I play through the entire game except for the last boss because, as uh, very well documented on forums, the last boss is four to five times harder than any other thing in the game. Wow! So you go and it is ramping in difficulty, and then it just goes hundred percent difficulty. Yeah, the the last boss is kind of broken, and I really, really want to beat it because that game has um, cut like filmed live action cutscenes that form based on your choices in the game, and so I really, really want to see the last one that is a culmination of all of the choices I made. But I have to beat the boss. Oh dear! And um, I just haven't had time to go back and like slog it out because it'd probably take ten attempts in a row to like get the patterns down. It's all patterns. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be able to take him out and find out what what i did with the story and whether i made a good decision or not yeah um, or good decisions but yeah like that sort of stuff's really cool that's something that i think isn't in games enough you've you've got the illusion of choice but at the end of the game it had all it does is give you a different video or a different dialogue or different people there at the end but that's it, still cool like deus ex when you finish it like there's there's multiple different endings and um it sort of gives you a bit of payback for the choices that you made yeah like i like that what, what would you rather see well i like that like i'm not saying that's bad but i just mean like it's not i don't think it's visceral enough like 
I would love to see a game that the, the actual game changes on the way that you play it. Like a, an area may be different. Like for example, no, I think the games do that. I think like say for example, Fallout Three, Megaton. Yeah. yeah. Like that's so cool. You can just straight up wipe out a town. Yeah, and then it's gone. And it's gone forever. Yeah. And that's your playthrough. You destroy that town. It's gone. Yeah. And that world has changed because of you. Absolutely. Like that. I would love to see more of that. It sounds like you're seeing a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of it in one game. Like it's just like I said. They usually the the change you have on a game world just tends to be summarized in a cutscene, and then is that's it. And the rest of the game is completely different. They're completely the same. Or yeah, like, yeah. I agree with you. Like you know, because we've both played Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, where the story has to adapt with you. Yeah, it's much harder to do that in a video game though, because you've got okay, I built this. There's a start and finish. I've sent it out to people to play. Uh, whereas you know, in a pen and paper situation, like we can actually, the guy can just adapt. You modify exactly. Like what they you're can doing. just adapt on the fly. Yeah. Um, and like build different narrative strands out of what's happening, which is what's happening with our Metrics dungeon. Like that, that's so cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Like and subscribe. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get what I get what you're saying. I think um, like when I was studying this sort of stuff, like if you actually look at putting a story together and having points of divergence, um, what you're looking for would have so many points of divergence that it felt more real and more visceral mm. but then you need to look at how each of those points of divergence would affect interaction with every other character you have to change the game world each decision pretty much and that, right? that would be so complex oh, not, not, sure. not impossible but time but just, consuming and exactly crazy yeah. complex yeah you know and that's what i like fallout 4 and fallout 3 try to do a lot of that uh, and that's why there's like so many bugs in the game and stuff like that because they do make permanent changes um, which is really really refreshing to see um, and Fallout 4 still continues that okay um, uh, yeah it does um, <laughs> which is cool so you can make decisions and they actually like change the game which is great that's so good you know like uh, Quantum Break for example you can change the game but you only seem to have like a binary choice so mm. at each crossroad there's a binary choice to make yeah uh, which is you know follow this path or follow this path like shoot this guy or shoot this guy or don't shoot this guy or whatever yeah um so and i think it's because they filmed live action yeah you so can't. they get to go like <laughs> i really need to just but if even that so let's say for example i've got five points of divergence and mm. i only give you a binary choice you would think that's 10 options but it's not because option one leads to two points. From those two points, it leads to option two, which now there's four points, and it keeps going like that. Mm. So there's multiples of two every time. So even that, which seems quite like a limiting choice, and obviously the story could pull you back in so that you end up going back to similar binary choices and what you did previously didn't matter as much. Yeah. And games do that a lot, and that's when I don't like the payoff because you're like, well, I just did this whole thing, but I still ended up in the same place as the other guy that was playing. Yeah, exactly um, right. Which is really frustrating. I hate when games kind of like coddle you into that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like they sort of shepherd you into where they want you to be. Yeah. There's two examples that I'd like to bring up, please. Uh, You may proceed, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Exhibit A. Uh, I was speaking to my girlfriend about World of Warcraft, which I don't really like. I don't yeah. like it as a game. I like the idea of like MMO and that sort of stuff, but the grind and all that sort of stuff. Even I, though yeah, it's, it's not for me, sort of throwing throwing rocks in glass houses like Final Fantasy fourteen is a very very similar game. Well, you play that, yeah, 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 and I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but with the World of Warcraft, there was an expansion that came out, and in the lore, I don't know if it was player dictated or not, but I like to think it would be. Mm. Like that, I reckon that'd be amazing. But a like 
giant world boss thing came through and devastated an area of the map like of the whole world oh in world of warcraft but the problem yeah. is that the way that works is my to my understanding is they do a new expansion mm-hmm. they fully change the game world from that expansion but that happens for everyone yes which yeah. is cool but it's also not based on anyone's choices yeah or what i'm thinking like if, if that was dictated by what the community did like say if there was an event or something like that and if you pass it's fine if you fail that's the way the world is forever because that, you that's guys actually how quantum break was originally uh posed in oh, e3 wow. i believe um it may actually no, it may have been another game but i always join the two games together it may have been quantum break i don't think they ended up doing it though the idea was meant to be that um the decision that most people chose yep would be the decision that went into a real TV show. Oh, well, like a canon decision, like and an that's what it is. actual TV show. Yeah. And that would, uh, that would influence how the TV show went. It may have been Quantum Break. It may have actually been another game. Okay. Um, so you went to play the game through, and like let's say 75% of people chose to shoot the guy, then that would be what happens in the TV show. Yeah, yeah. And so like that's a permanent decision, and it just alters the story. And then like what would be cool is if that turns full circle and comes back into the game, and you get a new patch that alters the story and goes okay like i know you chose this but everyone else chose this so that's now the way we're going yeah like Um, this is the story now yeah but then it kind of like negates your decision exactly it takes away your control over the situation it's really interesting to try and think how that game mechanic could work yeah Um, because it is really really complex i'd love to see a game where that happens but then it would be so easy to break the game like so you know that in skyrim and uh all those sorts of games, they've made certain characters unkillable. Yes. But they shouldn't do that. And by doing that, that allows them to ensure continuity with the story. Yeah. But it also kind of breaks the game. Where like that's one thing I didn't like about Skyrim. Like, oh I really want to kill that dude, but I can't because he's important. And yeah. also now I know he's important because I can't kill him. Exactly right. And I can see that I can't kill him. He's got like the, the micro or whatever. But like if I could kill him, that would dry, should drastically change the story. Yeah but I can't. It's frustrating. Um, quick side note, Morrowind allowed you to kill anyone. Yes, and you could actually break the game that way. You and could it actually tell get to you. a point where you couldn't finish. It'd have a, a, every, whenever you did that, yeah. a little pop-up would come down the bottom saying like, the web of the prophecy has been broken and there's no way for you to complete the game now. So either reload or continue in a doomed world. Yeah. Because the person in that main quest line is now dead and that would just stop at them. Isn't that interesting? And I'm like, that is so cool. I accidentally killed someone who was a main character and I'm like, him? Really? What? Yeah. It's like just some dude. And like, I was a little bit shattered. Like I was younger. I was probably like 14, 15. Yeah. And like, I was shocked. I was like, oh no, I've wrecked my game. I've wrecked my game, my playthrough. But the thing is, what did you do? Did you, did you load? I think I accidentally saved because I remember there was one. I think I was loaded from a previous file save earlier, right? To circumvent that, but I did. I remember I did save over one of my files with a doomed world. I'm like, oh my god! See that? That's really cool, but then because it gives you the pop up and because it tells you what's happened, same sort of thing, right? It's the exact same thing. It's actually the same thing as Skyrim, but less efficient. <laughs> like at least in Skyrim, it's like. I know that you're going to load right after you kill this guy, so I'm not going to let you kill them. And then that means you can just keep playing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in, in like Morrowind, it's like, oh my God, I'm in a Doom world now. I'll just load because yeah. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> and then you end up in the same spot. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. What would be amazing, nay impossible, this would almost have to be a roguelike style thing mm-hmm. um, where basically, like imagine a Mor- Skyrim style. I know you like Morrowind, but I prefer Skyrim. I do. I do. <laughs> imagine like a Skyrim style world. Yep. And you kill a main character, and then the engine of the game determines an alternate main character, yeah, and generates a 
backstory stuff like that um, or like character already has a backstory and it just like adapts it into the story yeah it's um, like a backup that would be amazing that would be fantastic but how difficult would that be oh uh, well if, if each main character like say there were like 10 main characters and each one of them had a backup yeah like and they just sort of activate once you kill one of the main characters mm. that'd be that'd be fairly easy I, I bet just have like sort of a back yeah, yeah backstory for a, a random then you've got NPC. like these like uh, this mesh of storylines and mm. then they have to have like nine alternate meshes per character it's very difficult that's true that's like why it'd be really cool to see a, like you would it'd have to be a game that was um, no voice acting so that they don't have to worry about that yeah like generative text um, where there's like they can pull out of a pool of like 150 storylines mm. or quest plots and stuff like that or whatever um, and then you know you kill one of the characters that's important and there's like an alternate route to still succeed in the, the final quest whatever that is because um, that, that could work actually yeah that'd be, be pretty cool my only concern is like say if you've got 10 main characters in the game and each of them has a backup yeah if you kill each one of the main characters yeah then each of the one of the like the backup characters will have to string a thread through each person and how they know them and all that sort of stuff. Like it'll, like you said, a mesh have yeah. to sort of like, like, like somehow the, the, work the, together. The levels of complexity become insane. Yeah. But then what you really need is a game where it doesn't feel like there's restrictions, but there are. Mm, mm. You know, and like, like for example, like The Witcher, if you've played The Witcher, The mm. Witcher 3. Um, Couldn't play through the first one, but I feel guilty playing the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Loop. Barry Loop. The Witcher 3 kind of, to an extent, gives you that feel. Like, there's there's so much for you to do, and, like, a lot of the game is side quests that... Um, and I know and I know for a fact that, like, lots of things that you do affect the end game and affect mid-game stuff, but they've accounted for lots of things. Like, you can kill a lot of the characters. Um, all, a lot of the characters will die through storyline events, and you kind of go, oh, fuck, but... They actually they've accounted for it already. Yeah. So like that game's like sort of big enough where they've worked it out for the most part. That's actually one of the only games where I've seen where they've kind of seemed to have covered most of their bases there. Yeah. Um, but again, you can't. Well, you, you can attack allies, but they will decimate you, and then you'll have to reload anyways. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's a it's a pretty cool balance, I think. Um, yeah. There's very few games that have that balance. Maybe The Witcher One does. You'll never know. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried so hard. Um, yeah, I really want to play through The Witcher series. All I ever hear are amazing things about it. Yeah. I um, I didn't play it for it. I owned it for ages and didn't play it. Um, and then um, when I got the PS4 Pro and uh, I knew that The Witcher 4, uh, had a um, HDR update, I was like, ooh. Ooh, fuck ooh. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sweet. I'll jump in, give it a shot. Looks phenomenal. Um, yeah. The story's amazing. Like, I like games that aren't restricted by, like, PG ratings and stuff like that. They can really deep dive into, like, the actual lore um, that's been written about those things, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, Rainbows and Kisses. Like, there is quite a lot of evil in that story. And, like, you know, there's, like, sex and violence and stuff like that. But it it makes it all... It all makes it feel more real. Yeah. Like, you can get quite immersed in it and forget that, like, a lot of this doesn't exist sort of thing. Like, that's, that's what you want in a game where you can, like, suspend your disbelief enough. Um, that you can go, yeah, fuck yeah, like, this is a really like interesting uh, story that I want to follow. You get absorbed into the world. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that. I've heard that as well. It doesn't shy away from hitting some really sort of gray subject matter. Yeah. Um, and that I really like that idea. Like, for example, Mass Effect is one of my favorite games, but it never really gets gritty. 
No, no, not crazy gritty. It does, but by the third one. Yeah, some stuff does happen. If yep. you, have you got to the third one? I've finished it. Have you finished the whole thing? Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually, I got, to the, I haven't actually got to the end of it yet. Yeah. I have the best story that I want to tell you guys, but I can't because Chris hasn't played it. It was the most frustrating thing. Oh, really? I could not, but like, I didn't want to finish Mass Effect 3 for the longest time because, you know, at the end you have to build up forces. That's the, I'm, I'm at that point. I haven't gone past that point. Gotcha. No worries. I was at that point because I wanted to get the best possible score to get the best possible ending. And I didn't play it for about, I don't know, two, three months because I was so freaked out that it was going to end on a bad ending. Yeah. That's, um, all, that's really all you can say, isn't it? It is. That is as far <laughs> as it gets. I, I really want you to cover your ears so what, I can say what a, what a letdown oh, so sorry one guys. of us is going to have to like listen back to the recording later. yeah exactly right <laughs> so we'll just leave that one for the moment just yeah. just hold on I is, that, is, that, is that a good point for us to end our podcast uh, maybe <laughs> with, with, oh, there's more things with like a, with like a dangling <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to find it next time yeah, that's right but you never will you because never will, I'm not going to come back to it <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say something about um the illusion of you know you're talking about like the illusion of choice like you with the witcher you feel like you've got much more control over the world than you actually do yeah yeah have you found any games that are similar to that like i know in mass effect 3 um i was speaking to uh, my girlfriend about it and we you feel like the tension you feel the tension of having to run around and get everyone together to combat this all-consuming force and yeah. you like you feel that tension especially yeah. when you're flying through a system and you're getting chased by them yeah and then you land and you see everything's been devastated by them already. And you're like, holy shit, this is real. This is a real threat. But I, th- I think that was that was more good story building. But like, really, that game is a linear game that has uh, that is mainly built up with subquests. Yeah, most definitely. And that like, it, there's no rush whatsoever. You can take as long as you want to play that game. But, but you, you feel, feel the rush. It. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, it's because I think it's because of the intro and like how that game starts is so emotional yeah um, like i had goosebumps um like after the after the you know the plane the, the ship takes off at the end of the intro scene and like bad things happen yeah <laughs> um like that was that was so powerful uh that it kind of really sets your mental mode for like how you want to play the game you're like man i need to fix that pronto <laughs> yeah um, but really you don't um uh, but that's that's good that's good story building that's good world building that makes you feel uh part of it yeah uh, and it makes you feel like you have choice and that, like you have tension on you exactly that's like it's, it's all on you and you have to get this done quick because it's important but yeah. it actually is not it's but it's actually yeah but, i mean that's every game yeah <laughs> oh, do you have any good examples of that of like say like the illusion of choice or the like a feeling that you get from a game even though it's not like it's just because it's well put together or the mechanics are great or because the storytelling is fantastic like you get this like a uh, sense of control or sense of urgency or like a fabricated feeling from something that's not actually there. I think, um, like going back to Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I've never played that, by the way. Yeah, so you know, old Super Nintendo game um, with two D graphics, but you don't need three D amazing lifelike graphics to suspend your disbelief. Sometimes, like that game, I felt so hesitant to make decisions because each decision would be permanent. Yeah. And would affect the timeline because the whole game's about time travel. Um, so, you know, I would be doing things and be like, ah, but if I do this, <laughs> like, what if it means that I can't do this? Um, and like, that, that's that's cool. Like, that's that's cool when you feel that. Um, I think that's just a sign of a good game. Um, yeah, like, I really like uh, roguelike games and stuff like that. But one thing that they lack, always lack, is that you know that you're going to start and you're going to die at some point and then you're going to start again. Yeah. Um, and... You know, the best roguelikes have a semi-persistent part of them. 
um, like Rogue Legacy, for example. I've seen the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, really cool game. But every time you die, your guy gets a little bit better. And like, there's a lot of there's a lot of games that that have that element. Um, and those those are the ones that I really like. Um, what I think they're called Rogue Lights. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like, I like the permadeath. I like that you don't get that character back because then it's like a character that was part of the story. And then I like that you get a new character, but they've sort of learnt stuff from the previous one. Like that's cool. I like that. But like a full roguelike, you just don't have a start and finish that feels as immersive because it's all generative. Mm. And you know, it's all temporary too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if you could make a game that was roguelite or roguelike that felt that immersive. And if you did, then what would happen when your character dies? Mm. Well, that's sort of like Dwarf Fortress. I love, I love the idea of the game. I cannot play it for anything, Yeah, but it creates its own law. You start off uh, from what I've gathered and what I've seen, you start off like at a certain year and you're like, all right, I want to say we start at year zero. I want to start in year 2,500. I want to start, uh, and you, you, it starts a world and yeah. it starts going and you can set like however many legendary creatures there are in the world. And then the legendary creatures, while it's fast forwarding, creating this world will do things yeah. and they'll become heroic creatures and they'll have names for themselves and they will like create stories around them. Like, oh, that's the giant monster that killed these towns like 25 years ago before huh. you came along. That's interesting. And you can like, you build up this fortress, you can have it for, you know, 10 years, 200 years. And then you can abandon it and then keep playing in that same world. Oh, and, then, and the fortress is still there. Uh, yeah. And does it degrade and things like that? I believe so. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's cool. like a I've, never, I've never played the game. Uh, it's it's in like assy sort of set. So like it's all just characters. Like oh, okay. Keyboard characters. That's probably why I haven't played it. Like <laughs> graphic, can, graphics aren't that important to me, but they are a little bit important. <laughs> yeah. You can get graphical packs that actually give you sprites and stuff like that. But it's still, it's such a complex game. Um, and you can play as an, in an adventure mode where you play as one dude, yeah. like as a roguelike, yeah. and the same sort of thing. You can create your you can create a name for yourself in this world, and when you die, you can continue playing in that world, and you've created a legend around you, huh. and people can have heard you of you and stuff like that. It's such a deep game. That's really cool. That's a good place for us to finish, I think. Yes, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back uh, next week on the Game Stormers. Stay tuned. This episode was about the games we started with, games and talked about some experiences with the games, which led to a freeform chat about all of the things that games are doing in the future that we like and some that we don't like. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> now we've recorded our podcast. Next time, won't you listen again? Subscribe.